This is Rugger Matrix America. Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix America. This is episode 67 and I am not Alex Goff. Uh, it's the original creator back for the American show. Juro Senior Host for this World Cup special. Alex Goff in New Zealand and where the American team is at the moment. The bandwidth's not the best, so if he does pop up during the show, we'll put him to air. So it's a bit of a reunion at the moment, and uh, it's great to be back on Rugger Matrix America with my good friend from New York. It's been a big weekend in New York. Uh, G'day, Bruce. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, what's up, Bronk? It's been a long time. I don't think I've spoken here since we had Todd Clever on the show. Pretty funny. But Todd Clever had a massive game this weekend, that's for sure. Yes, he did. And uh, Pat Clifton on the other line. Good to speak to you, mate. Yeah, you as well. Uh, a reunion for you and Bruce and a first-time meeting for uh, you and I. Yes, and I'll, we'll go easy on each other if it's the first meeting. <laughs> then we can fire up uh, as usual. So, gentlemen... We'll uh, tag team Bruce. <laughs> gentlemen, uh, been listening to the show uh, as we put it up uh, on a weekly basis with you and Alex. It's been going really well and... I'm pleased to say that uh, after leading the kids off on their own that you've done a great job with the American show. And it's great to be back on for the first weekend of games in the Rugby World Cup. And I've got to say, uh, as an observer from very close to the game, uh, I thought the Eagles' performance, Bruce, was, was wonderful against Ireland, who'd been out of sorts. In fact, I don't think Ireland's played well for some time. But uh, regardless of that, I thought uh, Todd Clever's effort leading the Eagles of the weekend was tremendous. From your point of view, uh, how did you see the game? Uh, did you see it as a little success story for first round of the World Cup 2011? I mean, I thought it was a, I, I got to say, it was a massive success story. And as, as a matter of fact, I think that those players threw a lifeline to USA Rugby, who was under the cosh in a in a big, big way for the way that they had 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 a lead up to the World Cup. They really hadn't played their first team at all in any of the games in in um, in, in the lead up with Canada, Japan, and also even prior in the Churchill Cup, and then even prior to that in the in the tour overseas in November. So I think that the effort that these guys made it was terrific. On on top of the fact that they 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 threw a little wrinkle at Ireland and and put a little bit of a blitz defense in, and I thought that that really took Ireland a little bit by surprise and they were able to, to force something at the end of the game. They wound up getting an interception. Uh, sadly, they couldn't get a whole lot going and attack, but I'll tell you that defensive effort was, was massive. And, and you look at, uh, you know, your favorite American player, Todd Clever <laughs> made 11 tackles and, and, and Louis Stanfield made 11 tackles. And that's a, that's a, that's a big number. At least those are the numbers that were on uh, scrum.com. So it was, it was good, and Sean Pittman, who I had, uh, who I've been, who I've given a little bit of uh, of stick to, Sean Pittman made nine tackles. So uh, you know, it, it was it was a great effort all all around. Yeah, Pat. I mean, after so many weeks of seeing this uh, preparation go around, and we didn't quite know what was going to happen for the World Cup, was it satisfying to see your best team on the paddock and doing as well as they did? Well, I mean, it was satisfying to see the team that was out there do really well. I would uh, still argue that that wasn't the best team. I think that there's a couple questionable uh, 
selections that were made. But nonetheless, I think, you know, for sure, you've got your 13 of your 15 out there that were the best. And, uh, you know, they made us proud. They went out there and they did everything that, you know, the world knows Americans can do. They know they can hit hard. Um, and they know that uh, if they if they play with effort, they, they can be really, really resilient. And that's what they were. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be all sunshine and rainbows. And I don't want to rain on the parade because I think everybody's really happy with how it went. And, and they should be. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, the line out was, was pitiful. The, the scrum is one thing. The line out is another thing. And I would like to think that we can have a line out that could be competitive with anybody in the world. And uh, I think if it was a little bit better, maybe a couple selections a little bit different. Um, you know, maybe they're in it in the end and, and, and they, uh, they do something crazy and, and actually pull off a win, but, but no, I, it is a positive thing that happened. Um, but I think you have to keep it in perspective. This is an Irish team that lost all their, their warm up matches coming into the game or coming into the world cup. Uh, they haven't been playing well. I think it was the oldest team in the world cup. And, uh, you know, if I'm an Irish fan, I'm pretty worried about what happened and that's not to take anything away from what the Eagles have done. Um, but but I'm not gonna. This isn't exactly the uh, the uh, Grand Slam Irish team that they uh, they did this to. No, it's been a while since Ireland have actually performed on the world stage. In fact, uh, start of the year against England is about as as good as it gets. But Bruce, uh, if you look at the game, defence is about attitude. They they clearly had the attitude right, and there was a lot of emotion pre-game as well. Uh, September 11 in New Zealand when it was happening, and. It was a wonderful effort uh, and courage. And um, I think uh, defensively, you had pretty much everything right there, didn't you? But in the end, um, couldn't go all the way with Ireland. Well, yeah, actually, September 11th was a, was a big factor in this. And, and I had had some emails with Mike Tolkien prior to, prior to the game that week. And he seemed very confident that week he said we're going to do the job we're going to do the job he kept you know and he told me that there was going to be a little bit of a change up in defense and I, which we had spoken about over for a while that probably needed to take a few more chances and 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 put teams under pressure and make them make plays against us so that was that was really terrific to see that and and on top of the September 11th what they the actually the Eagles had had pre-planned through uh their video analysis that there's a Welshman who's doing video analysis, whose name escapes me. And he wanted to do a video about September 11th. And what they did is they got a lot of, a lot of things that happened that day. And, and, and they also got some messages from um, police officers and firefighters from the New York city area, quite a few of them sending, sending good luck messages to the Eagles that they put into a video. And, and then they went to mass that morning and, over and 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 then they they really kind of took this as one of those days that this is going to be a day that the USA performs and 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 I obviously you know you can't play emotionally for 80 minutes you have to have you got to have some control and focus and the fact that they were able to play as well as they did defensively and for 80 minutes was was quite good also when they had Ireland under pressure and Ireland really needed to get a try they just they just went and they forced and they slowed the game and they just made, they played the game at, you know, in a pick and go game and one off runners at almost a snail's pace, frustrating Ireland for a few minutes and wouldn't, couldn't get Ireland out of, out of jail. And, and I think that that was, that was good. A couple of things that are really uh, sticking out at me anyway, that, that maybe we're, we, we would, we rue those moments is, you know, uh, 
having lacking accuracy in the goal kicking department. I think that 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 would have really helped us. And the other thing that was a little bit disappointing in this game was that the Irish front row that played against the USA in Santa Clara was the exact same front row that played these guys now with save. Buckley came, Buckley started in Santa Clara and Court came off the bench at Loosehead. And then uh, in this game, Court started at Loosehead and Buckley came off the bench. But in that game in Santa Clara, the Eagles in many cases had ascendancy in the scrum and were at least even money with them. And then what happened this time around was it was a complete shambles. The scrum was in complete shambles. And had they had that set piece in order... I think that they re- and 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 the lineout w- was definitely struggled, but you could always say that the the Irish lineout is is pretty class, and that that was gonna that was definitely gonna have they were gonna have a little struggling moments there in the uh, in the rain in in New Zealand. But I think that if they could get some of those things right against Russia, and I think that by putting in that blitz defense and, and taking a few more chances in defense, I don't think the Russians are going to be able to move the ball wide. So now the U.S. has, they have different options in defense that they can give different looks and they, and they can feel confident that they can play several different ways. And I don't think Russia is going to be able to plan quite that easily for the game. I think they may have had a plan going in, and now the U.S. showed a few different looks. They even showed a few different looks in attack that, that were not, they were not playing that deep French pod system uh, anymore. They played a variation of it, but they didn't play a deep French pod system. And I think that on a dry day in attack, they might be able to be all right. Pat, who was your, uh, who was your standout for the Eagles on, uh, on the weekend? I'd say Lou Stanfield, uh, you know, he's always impressed me and I've always been a big Lou Stanfield fan, but um, he, he again stood up and and played really great defense. Uh, I think he led from the front defensively along with Todd Clever. Um, But, you know, one guy that I think turned some heads was, was Takuzu Nguyenia. I mean, everybody knows he's, he's a player, but um, I was sitting there watching the game on Saturday, the repeat, the second time I watched it uh, or Sunday, I'm sorry, when it was uh, being aired on NBC here in the States with a, a pretty casual USA fan. Um, you know, he, he obviously knows the guys and he pays attention a little bit more than everybody else, but he doesn't watch every Eagles match. And he saw Nguyenia in the scrum cap and didn't recognize him. So I'm come blitzing up on defense and, and force that turnover um, pretty early on. It's like, who is that? And I said, well, that's, that's Nguyenia. I think that he has improved. Um, uh, he's taken giant leaps forward as far as defensively and, and, and even getting into the ruck and even getting into some malls against Ireland. And I thought that he was, uh, he went looking for work. He didn't just sing, uh, you know, sit out on the end uh, waiting for a ball to come his way. He went looking for work. And, you know, I think that was impressive. And I think if they get him some more ball, which is always the case, um, he could really do some good things. But yeah, I think that he played well. I think that there was a lot of guys, a lot of guys who played really well. Roland Suniula played well. Um, he proved uh, Eddie O'Sullivan had made a good choice to start him over Malifa, in my opinion. Um, yeah, there, there were a lot of bright spots. Not too many, uh, not too many guys that didn't play well. I don't think. Bruce, I'm trying to work out uh, the conditions. Uh, were they beneficial to the American side or to the Irish side? Well, under most circumstances, you would always call rain an equalizer, but but not always. It's not like the, and, and well, I don't know that rain was an equalizer because it's not like the Irish don't play in the rain. <laughs> and right. and you know. <laughs> 
you know, to use that as an excuse is is, uh, is poor. And I think that some people were using the referee as an excuse. That's a that was a, a dead poor excuse. I I thought that Ireland was just as um, I, I I re-looked at the game and I wasn't seeing the U.S. flopping all over the ball. I saw them tackling and rolling away, tackling and rolling away. Bottom line is, I think Ireland thought that that it was going to be easy, and it wasn't. Then they got under pressure, and then they panicked. And they did stupid things, and they dropped the ball, and they had a stupid game plan. And 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 I, I think that had they just played a power game and stayed with a power game, they would have won the game. They would have won the game, but they didn't. They tr- they really tried to force the ball. They were shoveling garbage across the field, kicking aimlessly. And and I think that it. And when they made mistakes, and they had so many handling errors, it wasn't even funny. But and I, I think that that just it, they really got thrown off their game, and and possibly. They also had a debutante scrum half, and and Johnny Sexton didn't have his best game, and I and I think that when they when they put O'Gara and Redden in later, they were really trying to force that fourth try to go over, and it just it just wasn't happening, and and I, when when Ireland played direct, they were effective, but when Ireland started not playing direct, they they lacked effectiveness. They tried to go wide. Now, I also thought that like Pat was saying, one of the things that I that I noticed is when Emmerich blitzed up on the outside at, from, from center, everything got shoveled on the inside and there were some big hits being made by Clever and Stanfill, uh, Nick Johnson and, and both second rows, uh, Hayden Smith and John Vandergees and they were, and, and Sean Pittman obviously with nine tackles, but they, they were really forced. And I think that what, when Emmerich did was he forced the whole game back inside and those guys were up to, they were up to the task of making those tackles. And then when Ireland tried to force it to get that fourth try, Emmerich was in under the sticks, and we actually hit the kick at goal. So it was, um, I think it was a great effort all around. And and to use the rain as an excuse, you know, like we we would always say, if the U.S. got killed or played poorly, they'd be like, well, you know, it, it, everybody has an excuse. So at the end of the day, the USA played well. Ireland did not play well. Ireland got a lot of questions answered. That's for sure. I, I think that they'll their selections might be slightly different moving forward. And uh, and and the USA has a lot of questions answered, but they they need to op- they need to get their attack to operate a lot better than they have. Well, that's right, and uh, emotion can't keep carrying the uh, team through. They've got to play the Russians in a couple of days. But similarly for Ireland, uh, Pat, they, they will meet a pretty red hot Australian team on the weekend at Eden Park, and uh, they will get sorted out, I think, in that game. So there's a lot more to come. But the American side, the Eagles need to now uh, learn from the game and they need to be able to spark something in attack. Not every game's going to be wet. Conditions are improving in New Zealand. And let's hope it starts against Russia. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's the case. And I, I think that for Irish fans, and I think like a lot of Americans, uh, Ireland's my second team. Um, but it's going to be an ugly game against Australia. But yeah, talking about... Russia, uh, you know, I was rewatching before we uh, came online here. I was rewatching the uh, the Churchill Cup game. Uh, I think it was the bowl game between Russia and the United States. And uh, I don't mean to sound too cocksure here, but the United States, I think, are pretty much better from one through fifteen. Russia's got some good players, um, and they can, you know, Vasily Artemyev can play. Um, you know, he can turn a mistake into a try the other way. But as long as the United States doesn't make they're not stepping on their own toes. They're not making catastrophic errors. I feel like they're. Uh, this is their game to lose. Um, they beat uh, Russia last. Obviously, it was only by a try last time, but 
they also didn't have a number of guys on the pitch. Um, Inguinia wasn't playing. Wiles wasn't playing. James Patterson wasn't playing. Um, all sorts of guys. Malifa was still at, at uh, fly half. He left a, quite a few points on the board. Um, kicking wise, you know, there were, there's, you know, Kevin Sweeran was on the field. Um, Colin Holly was on the field and this was Holly's, you know, he had a good summer, but uh, still pretty early on for him. You know, I think that the Eagles, when they play their senior side here, Nick Johnson wasn't on the pitch either. Um, they're going to have uh, a pretty heads up advantage on these guys. And I, I really like the moves that Eddie O'Sullivan has made. Um, to put uh, Mate on the field. I think when he came on, he made an impact against Ireland pretty instantly. I think Mate uh, and, and McDonald will, will combine for the best scrummaging front row that the Eagles have. Um, I think Chris Biller played really well against Russia the first time around. I like a lot of the selections here. Uh, anybody who follows me on Twitter or has listened to this podcast knows I'm not the biggest Andrew Suniula uh, fan on the planet. Um, I really would have liked to see Emrick at inside center. Um and perhaps Chris Wiles at outside because I think Blaine Scully's played rather well and he played pretty darn good against Russia the first time around. Uh, in order to get my best 15 on the field, that's probably the one thing I would switch up here um, would, would be put uh, Wiles at outside where he plays for Saracens and uh, and put Blaine Scully at 15. But other than that, I think that this is a top-notch selection. I think that uh, the Eagles should have the advantage pretty much every single position, one through 15. Yeah, Bruce, uh... I wanted to ask you about the coverage uh, back home stateside and uh, coverage on NBC. Have you noticed that some general public have been interested in how the Eagles have gone in New Zealand? Yeah, I, I, I actually have noticed it in my from my town and, and from people that either were former rugby players and, and haven't followed it in a while and just people I know that know that I, I'm involved in rugby, when they saw it on NBC, I mean, the text came flying fast and furious at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon in, in New York. That was the replay, but it was on, on the major channel, NBC. And I'll tell you, texts were flying fast and furious to see if they had ever, because a lot of those guys had, had come to rugby games at the New York Athletic Club, and they had wondered if they had ever seen any of the players either playing for us or, or playing against us at the field. And I said, yeah, he probably had seen uh, quite a few of them, if, if, if not 12 or 13 of them. So it was, it, you know, I think it was pretty exciting for them that they, that they knew that they, that they had seen some of these guys at, from different teams and, and seen them playing and seeing them play so well in that game. And it, and it came across quite well on TV from a playing standpoint. I think that there's, there's probably a little bit of work that needs to be done from a, production standpoint in in terms of of uh announcing and halftime and all, and all that other stuff but but i think that they're they're getting their feet wet and it's it's i mean it's fantastic for us we, we were up I, I wanted to see what the ratings would be we were up head to head to gridiron football and and we were up head to head to um the u.s open tennis and and but the thing was, at least in New York, the Giants and the Jets weren't playing at that time. So it would be interesting to see what the uh, interesting to see what the results of of the Nielsen ratings are. The uh, the early returns on the Nielsen ratings are a point seven, which equates to about eight hundred thousand homes, which is pretty online with uh, USA Sevens and and the CRC uh, what they've done this last year. But I like you said on a, on an NFL Sunday. I think that's pretty uh, pretty darn impressive. NFL Sunday, and you got the U.S. Open. 
um, that's something that the CRC and USA sevens don't have to go up against. So I think that's a pretty impressive and a, and a number to be proud of. It's certainly great to see. And uh, that's the exposure that uh, will do the game. Great good heading forward. The other thing I wanted to talk about was that the first tier, the second tier countries, the minnows, have all improved out of sight now. There's a, there's a level of technical training that has now given sides a chance to compete 40, 50, 60, 70 minutes into the game. And, and as more World Cups happen, you know, that's going to improve over time. But, uh, you know, Bruce, let's say we shuttle forward to the Australian game. At what point of the game are you happy for the United States to compete at? Uh, it would have been a 60-minute mark or 70 mark because it'll be inevitable that they'll get blown off the park at some point like Italy. But what, what's satisfying to you? What, what you'd like to see is that it's not easy for Australia. It doesn't matter if they score because um, that's going to happen. But what does matter is that it's not easy and that they have to work for their points. And you would want them to have to work for their points for 80 minutes. And you just don't want to have it become a tri-fest. Now, the Australians have a massively talented back line, and, and they have weapons galore, and they have um, a, a, a pretty strong offensive forward pack that can play quite a, quite a few different ways. They can play short side 515 channel and kick overhead and i think that you know the the threat again here is 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 really really massive although uh, is burgess the backup scrum half i think they might be facing burgess in that game yeah. but no but luke burgess in and of himself is a pretty quick guy he's just not quick compared to will Genia. but um you know i think that for the u.s i i think it would be a matter of being able to operate in their own ball and attack especially from lineouts, uh, possibly to pressure the Australians when when they kick off on their restarts. I doubt they're going to be receiving that many restarts, but you know they'll you know to put a little pressure under them there and to make them work through multiple phases to score and not just have clean breaks. And I, and I think that the other thing is to uh, be able to keep the Australians a little bit at bay in counterattack, so that when when the U.S. kicks to them, that it's not that they're not just flying, that they're not just flying all, all over the park, making passes and coming up and down. I think that the key to the U.S. is if they can tie up the ball, make tackles, ball and all, double up on them, and make the Australians work for their points, then I would be happy with the effort. I think that that's more so than necessarily looking at a scoreline or how long they hung into the game. I, I think that you know, I, as I think all of the teams got the message in week one or in game one. The top tier teams got the message. Holy crap! These guys are at least coming out here to play defense. So it's not going to be easy, and we are going to have to do the hard work in the contact area, and we're going to have to be direct before we go wide. And I think that when they do that, they're going to be a little bit more ruthless and efficient when they play these tier two teams. And I think that those games might open up a little bit in in the second wave, because I think everybody got the message in week one. I, I and I, I would be they would be teams would be very remiss if they didn't get that message. I mean Scotland was yes. you know almost unwatchable. Um Ireland definitely got their message. New Zealand got their message in the second half. Australia got their message in the first half. 
South Africa got their message big time with Wales, although Wales would not be considered tier two, but they would not be considered in the South African tier. I think everybody got the message, and this World Cup is shaping up, and, and England got the message big time. Well, they certainly, uh, they <laughs> certainly got I mean, you want to talk about a get-out-of-jail-free card. But, um, you know, I really think that this World Cup is shaping up to – this is going to be a test of nerves because I, I think those a lot of those nations, they, there was a lot of nerves out there. It's going to be a test of nerves going forward. Yeah, certainly. And the Australians are the ones who really sh- – New Zealand came out of the box well, but then the Australians are the ones who really showed nerve. They're the ones who really – they changed the way they played at halftime, big time, and, and, and put Italy under the cosh with insane pressure and, and just really – massively direct strike running and, and, and very efficient play. Yeah, there was a change there, though, um, in personnel. James O'Connor came onto the field, and he'd been serving a, a punishment for missing the team photo and having a big night. Big night. He came off the bench and um, and started to spark the attack. He, he actually got Italy uh, uh, on the back foot very quickly, and Digby Iwani, who's now injured, by the way, broken finger, and could be missing up until maybe the semi-final if Australia gets that far, a massive attacking weapon. So um, there was more an attack, and 15 minutes is all it took, Bruce. 15 minutes, four tries, game over. Well, I mean, that was very similar to what Ireland did to the U.S. It was a five-minute spell where they they put in two tries and put us under pressure, and and that's what really good teams do. When, when When they have momentum, they maintain momentum. And and that really, essentially, that really comes from being good at your restarts, because after you score, they kick off to you, and you got to you got to be able to regather and 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 keep your momentum going. And and good teams maintain momentum in those times. And and that's what the All Blacks are great at. That's what the Aussies are great at. That's what the South Africans are generally great at. And all the great teams, generally, you'll see that they put they'll put a string of try penalty try or penalty try penalty and and they'll put a string of points that kind of put the game out of reach on and and when you get a when you get a tier two team that has to chase a game against a tier one team and they start flinging shoveling crap across the field in in general that doesn't work out that well and then and then those teams capitalize on the mistakes floodgates open game over one of the successful things pat for australia was Quade cooper was able to hold the ball up for an inside pass quite often the no look inside pass uh, there was no answer by the Italians in defence. It means once the American side gets up against a team like Australia, it really will sound the alarm bells in defence. Well, sure, yeah, absolutely. And that's the one thing that you want to see from the, the Americans is obviously we're a slower team than Australia in terms of the pace of the game we like to play. But, you know, we've got a pretty talented back, back line. You like to think we've got some pretty good athletes in the back line. I think that's where your game is not going to be decided. It's already decided, but I think that's where you might find relative success. Um, if you're the Americans and take a little bit of pride in the fact that you could keep up with them because uh, obviously you're not going to be able to do it for a full 80 minutes, but if you can stifle that, that back line, which as Bruce alluded to earlier is just immensely, immensely talented, then that's a, that's a great uh, point of pride. And I know, you know, Nguyenia Z is, is really looking forward to the challenge of playing against a guy like, James O'Connor. Um, I know there's several other guys who want to make a, a big day or have a big day and make a statement in that game. Everybody is trying to repeat what Z did last, uh, you know, four years ago uh, and, and make a big statement against a big time player. 
and uh, try to get a contract. I don't think that there's another Z and Gwen you just sitting on USA who's going to get that contract. But um, at the same time, there may be uh, not the big contract that he got. There may be a, some guy who can make a statement and turn some heads and, and maybe get a, a little bit of a look from from some team out there. And I think that's what everybody's going to be looking to do. And that's where they're going to have to do it is show that they can play um, the fast-paced uh, game that, that a lot of people play outside of the States. Bruce, are you concerned that um, Eddie O'Sullivan and the, the team have thrown so much into this first game that you're going to have enough left in the petrol tank to keep you going uh, through the remaining games? No, the USA's played a, a lot of stuff in Churchill Cups, and and they they they've been on four day turnarounds before. So I'm not particularly concerned about the four day turnaround. I'm not particularly concerned about their preparation for Russia. I think that they they need more to focus on their own game, and I think that's what they have been doing. And I think that I think that they're going to be I think they're going to be fine. They made a couple of of tweaks in their uh, in their in their team and Mate Moyakiola probably brings a little bit more in the attacking in the attacking game and and Chris Biller brings a little bit more in the attacking game. So I think they're gonna get get probably generate a little bit more offense out of their front row. And then Chris Wiles coming into the team really gives a uh, gives a sense of comfort to the players out there. So I think that's gonna that's gonna help them quite a bit. And I I think that they've been targeting this game essentially since they've gotten the World Cup draw, that this is this is their, you know, for lack of a better word, their most winnable game and probably the game, the only game that they're that they're gonna win. Um, but that said, I think that one of the things that the guys can can recognize now is if they play as a team and they play as a unit, that they can they can have quality score lines and they can have good performances. And in the event that they do that and not get themselves into an individualist game, they might be able to, if they can show against Australia and play well. I, I, as much as the back line is, is, is a problem against Australia, I actually think it's going to be dealing with, with David Pocock or, or his backup at the seven position and just make sure that we're able to deal with him. Now, if Todd Clever can have a game equal to the Australian seven. And I, and I think that he did a better job than Shane Jennings, which, you know, they, they played a flyer out there and, and, and it didn't work out too well for them. So I think that, uh, that's going to be that battle there in the back row is going to be a huge battle against Australia. Cause if they can control the contact area through those guys and force Australia to throw numbers in, then perhaps they're not going to have as many people in attack and at that kind of thing, if the U.S. can string a decent result against Australia, a win against Russia, and a, a good result against against Italy, then I think that some of these players will be able to put their hand up, and, and maybe some of the teams in the Premiership or or the or the Pro 12 in, in Ireland and and Scotland and and even possibly Japan possibly may give an American player or two or three an opportunity to play professionally. And that's what we need. We need to get our national team to be playing overseas and that, and get their development there. Is that the legacy out of this cup, Pat? You know, getting these players noticed on the stage and, and getting contracts and getting more games for your Eagles? I think so. I mean, that's part of it, certainly. And I know a lot of Eagles, you know, Iguenya made it look easy, you know. 
you score one big try and boom, you've got a, a big contract and now you got an extension and you're considered one of the best in your position in the world. Well, he's a, he's a unique talent though. I don't think he's exactly blazed a trail that a lot of people are going to be able to follow. They're certainly going to try to do it. And yeah, I mean, coming out and playing well and getting a tr- contract, that's, that's huge. And for guys like Louis Stanfill and Anaki Basori, who are kind of at a crossroads in their rugby career, a crossroads in their lives, you know, they, you know, have a girlfriend or kids or wives. Um, they, they need a contract. They can't continue to, you know, act like a 22, 23 year old can forever. They're not just out of college anymore. They can't just, um, you know, backpack around and sleep on couches and, and scrape by. They need to actually get money. So if, if, and I'm not saying that I know for a fact that these guys will drop out um, of the game or, or take it less seriously if they don't get those big, big contracts, but it's certainly a possibility. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big part of it, but you know, I would like to see, and I think this is what you're going to see. If you see the Eagles go out and beat Russia, as we expect, um, I think you may see a bit of a B side team um, or as close as you can do with a 30 man roster thrown in against Australia for the simple fact that they, they may want to go out and throw everything at Italy. Eddie O'Sullivan has looked at Italy as the second most winnable game the whole time. I think that was uh, an error in judgment on his own part because I think Ireland was the second most winnable game as poorly as they played coming into this thing. Um, but I think that if you, if you see them beat Russia, they may try and uh, rest some, some quality players against Australia and throw the kitchen sink at Italy um, and try and get that second win and qualify uh, for 2015 already. Uh, Bruce, anything else about the Cup that you've noticed so far that you'd like to talk about? I've got to say, it was a wonderful opening to the World Cup. Leaves 2007 in the dust in terms of quality. 2007 was, in my mind, outside of that crazy weekend when France beat New Zealand and England beat Australia, (laughs) that it was a complete and utter almost waste of a month and a half. And I think South Africa got nothing for winning it because they didn't beat anybody. And it was just, and it was, you know, high ball, defend, high ball, defend, high ball, defend, kick goals, game over. I mean, it was, it was essentially an unwatchable World Cup. Whilst this one has been a spectacle. And I think that the teams came with the attitude that they're going to play. I think that the uh, interpretations in the law are, they're interpreted a bit better now. And I think that while defense has shown itself to be the catalyst by which the minnows have have performed well. I don't think that they're really attacking well yet, but the defense has been has been quite good and, and, and from the minnows or probably better than expected. I wouldn't call it quite good, but it's better than expected. Well, just just on that, Bruce, um, if you saw that uh, Namibia came out and all they wanted to do in their game was pot field goals. And then they fell behind and then started playing some brilliant attack. But it took the fact that the game was gone against uh, Fiji to actually uh, unleash. Well, Bronk, I really think that a lot of teams that you got to sometimes I kind of I wonder why you're kicking a goal when you have a chance to kick a corner or run it. You kind of know the foregone conclusion of the result. So try to pop in as many tries as you can, get points on the board, meaning, you know, put try to get four tries, bonus points. Try to get something like that where you're in in the game. Like you you're in the scoring sheet, you're in the standings where you don't you don't come out on four and with a zero. So I think it's always a good a good thing to have a go and have have a crack at it and and see what you do. Hey, if it doesn't even if it doesn't come off 
they're still 99 yards away, 95 yards away, 90 yards away, whatever the case may be. That's what I would I would probably be more inclined to have an attacking mindset at that time than to than to try to pot goals. It doesn't you know it doesn't make or, or field goals or any. It just doesn't make any sense to me. If in the event that like if if the USA is kicking penalty kicks against Australia from 45 yards out, we'll wear not very good at kicking penalty kicks anyway, that makes no sense to me. You know, I could see, hey, kick kick for the sticks, you got a penalty in front, you got to punish the pressure with points. But you know what? Sometimes it's not a bad thing to dislocate the expectations of the Tier 1 team and, and, and try to have something on or, or maybe have something even, some kind of couple plan moves up your sleeves that you run from a free kick or a penalty that, uh, you know, possibly you can sneak a cheapie under the sticks. Well, that score was 49-25, and uh, having been sidelined to a game that uh, Australia played against uh, Namibia in uh, 2003, where about 145 points were put on the board that day at the Adelaide Oval, I thought that was a fair effort by Namibia, and they've just got no rugby resources whatsoever. Strong uh, when they have got it together, because uh, they are connected to South Africa in many ways. But uh, good to see, and that's the colour and movement of the World Cup. Pat, um, so you're excited about other other matches come up as well, as not just uh, the Eagles games? Oh, sure. There's tons of uh, there's tons of great uh, of great rugby to be watched and and to be played. Um, you know that Ireland Australia, as I said earlier, it could be a bloodbath, could be ugly, um, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Ireland try and pull off the massive upset. Don't think it's going to happen, but uh, you never know. Uh, France is a team that is such a anomaly. Sometimes they can just link up really well and be a beautiful team to watch and a fun team to watch. And they're everybody knows they're dangerous, um, so they're they're definitely an exciting team to keep an eye on. Uh, Japan New Zealand is probably not going to be close. But uh, you never know. I, I think Japan is one of the funnest teams around um, to watch as well. Um, those are the ones that I probably have my eyes on most closely coming up. Uh, Wales and Samoa will be fun to watch as well uh, because obviously Samoa, they played a pretty close one. Um, or, you know, Wales played a pretty close one with, with Fiji that, that tied earlier this summer, I believe it was. Um, and, you know, I like watching Manu Tuyalangi score. Um, and he's fun to watch on the wing. And I don't know that this matchup is going to happen, but. The, the possibility of him running up against Shane Williams, just the thought of that in my mind, uh, it would be pretty funny to watch. Certainly. And don't forget, Samoa uh, produced one of the, the biggest ball overs in history by defeating Australia early in the year. And um, although a couple of uh, Australian players were considered second string, it was still one of the darkest moments in Australian rugby test he- history, I can tell you. So, Pat, uh, great to speak to you, mate. Uh, great to be on the show as well. You guys have been doing a terrific job, but uh, thanks for staying up late and recording this um, this episode 67 with Alex Goff covering it for Rugby Mag in New Zealand. So, Pat, thank you. Thank you. There is Pat Clifton and uh, Bruce McLean, my old sparring partner. You were chowing down a couple of seconds ago. You know they should they say you shouldn't eat around about midnight, Bruce. Yeah, I was eating a low carb Belgian milk chocolate bar. And drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, why, I don't know, because it's midnight. But anyway, you know how it is. I love my chocolate. You don't get a body like this by skipping meals. Yeah, your body's a temple. All right, mate. Great to speak to you, Bruce. Good to speak to you again. It's been too long. Yeah, it has, Bronk. Maybe we'll get together during the World Cup again and, and have another show and 
possibly during that uh, two-week off time when you probably get your boy back on, Todd Clever. And anytime Todd's on, I know you want to jam into the show and, <laughs> and, and be part of that. He's my man. You got your, little, you got your man crush going. <laughs> Uh, yes, he's a he's a decent bloke. He's a decent bloke, Toddy Clever. And the boys did really well, so congratulations to the Eagles of the weekend. It was wonderful stuff. Let's see if they can continue that against the Russians, who do love their rugby, by the way. Been there before with the Waratahs, and um, they are certainly, um, well, let's say they're not newcomers to rugby, but it will be game on in a couple of days' time. So thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for tuning in to uh, Rugger Matrix America. We'll have a show uh, hopefully, it might even be next week, mate, because um, uh, Alex is struggling to get some connectivity out of New Zealand. But uh, we'll make sure that we keep the American market covered during the World Cup. So we'll speak to you all next week. Have a good week and go the Eagles.